You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Now we started a couple of a few Sundays ago and we did an introduction to the book of Romans and now I'm preaching the introduction of the book of Romans it is Paul's introduction I talked about the book a little bit but now we see what Paul says here in these first 7 verses and he says a lot he basically teaches the whole book in a uh, in in a nutshell number 1 we start, we're talking about the gospel of God, which is the theme of the book of Romans. Amen? Number one, we talked about the gospel of God is a promise, according to these verses. Look at verse 1 and 2. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. All right? So it's the gospel of God. Now look, which he promised before through the prophets and holy scriptures. I want to tell you something. The gospel is not plan B. Let me tell you how Adam got saved. The same way you do. Maybe he was looking forward and we're looking back, but the way people get saved, as you will find in this book, is not baptism, it's not good works, it's not merit, it is by faith. Faith, by grace through faith, if you would, alone, alone. And that is the point of the book of Romans. And the gospel of God is a promise that has been promised since the snake slithered onto the scene and before. Matter of fact, this has been the promise of God since time began. This has always been God's plan of saving people as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of God. The word promise means to announce with clarity in advance as to what one will do. Number two, the gospel of God is a person. Say hallelujah. <laughs> the gospel of God. Now come on, I wish we had some Pentecostals here this morning. This is good. I'm telling you the gospel is a person. It is all about Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul, a bondservant of who? Of who? Jesus Christ. Say it with me. Called to be an apostle, separating the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets of the Holy Scripture, concerning who? His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born the seed of David, according to the flesh. Look down, if you would, down to uh, verse 6. Among whom you also are the called of. Say it with me. Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love the gospel, you don't love God, you've not been saved. You will fall in love with Christ. You will fall in love with who He is and what He is and what He's done and you will believe in His virgin birth and His sinless life and His willing sacrificial death on your behalf and you will believe that three days after He died, not swooned, not fainted, but after He died, three days later of His own accord, He rose from the dead. 
and that he ascended off this earth bodily in a cloud and now sits at the right hand of God where he makes intercession for you and me awaiting the time when the Father looks over and says it's time and he'll return to this world and he will receive us unto himself. I believe that. I love that. And you love Jesus Christ. The gospel is a person and it is concerning Jesus Christ. He is the seed of David, fully God, and he is fully man. Not only is he the seed of David, he is the son of God, which means that he is God, declared. It says he's declared. How? Through his resurrection, by the power of the Spirit, and through the resurrection he's declared that. He is the Savior of all mankind. The word Jesus, the name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation, and that's who He is. He's the Savior of all mankind. There is, as we read and heard earlier, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is one way, and it is through that gospel of Jesus Christ. He is sanctified of God. That means He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is set apart. You say, well, who else would have He chosen? You're right, nobody. He's the only one that could have saved us. And He is the Son of God, the Anointed of God, the Chosen of God, the Love of God, the Messiah of God. And number five, He is the Sovereign God. He's the Sovereign. He is God. He is the Lord. Jesus said to the rulers in John 8, 58, Most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Now what was He doing? It's clear what He was doing. He was taking the holy name of God, the personal name of God that God gave Moses at the burning bush. He said, Who shall I tell them will send me? This is Moses. Way back. He said, You tell them I am hath sent thee. And then later He says, This is my name. And He gives him the name Yahweh. And so there's no doubt Jesus was claiming to be God. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and he passed by. Why did they want to stone him? Because he was claiming to be God, and they didn't believe it, and they thought he was being blasphemous. Now, this brings us to where we have not yet been. Number one, the the gospel of God is a what? Promise. Number two, the gospel of God is a person. It's all about Jesus Christ. And number three, the gospel of God is a plan. It is God that does it. He is a sovereign God. He is not up in heaven rubbing his hands, wondering if it's all going to work out. I love Isaiah 53. It says, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his day. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Whether intentional or not, verse 7, we find Paul lays out the sweep of the history of salvation. It's intentional on God's part because God wrote the Bible. Y'all know that, don't you? And he lays out the sweep of the history of salvation and the gospel in these verses. By the way, that's what he does all through Romans. We'll see that. We'll begin to see that. In time past, number one, we were loved and chosen by God. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God. But you have to understand the power and the impact behind that phrase, beloved of God. Beloved of God. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now you may be wondering, what in the world does any of that have to do with anything? 
foreknowing and predestined. Now, these words, foreknowledge and predestination, have become technical theological words reserved for seminarians, but they shouldn't be. They ought to be words that bring about sentiment. They ought to be words that bring about endearment. They ought to be words that cause love to boil up in your hearts. They're great words. They're awesome words. And I know that even for some folks, there may be a little controversy of them, but there shouldn't be. Right there it is, black and white, in the Scripture. Amen? We are beloved. Now, why did I bring this verse up? Because, my friend, you can read that verse like this. For whom he foreloved. Because that's what the word means. That's what the word means. He predestined. In other words, he set his love on us. And as I said, this is the sweep of salvation from time, eternity, till time in the future. God loved us before time began. Now, this word for know is an intimate word. It means to love beforehand. God set his love on us. We find it again in 1 Peter 1, 2. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, there are some that will tell you that that means that God chose us because he looked down through time and he saw what we would do and then he elected us. My friend, that's just not true. That's not what the word means. And number two, it's blasphemous to believe that because we believe that God is omniscient and if that were true that would mean that God learned something and we don't believe that but it means that God loved us he had us in his heart he had us in his mind now look at 1 Peter he left according to the the foreloving of God of his people now look down at verse 20 look down at verse 20 if you would He indeed, now look at verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. That is exactly the same word in verse 2. It's the same word that's in Romans 8. Same word. Now let me ask you something. Does this mean... He indeed was foreordained. Does that mean that God looked down through time and saw what Jesus would do and say, Aha, there's my plan. That's what I'm going to do. No, my friend, it's obvious. It means that God loved His Son before anything was. Amen? And He loved you before anything was. He's God. He can do that. Amen? He does that, and he did. And this is the first thing that Paul tells these Romans. He said, I know that you are beloved in God's plan. He loved you, and he did it before time began. He may not say those exact words, but that's what he means. He has loved you. He set his love on you. Hallelujah. The word for know is used in the sense of an intimate, loving knowledge. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve, and she bore a son. Does that mean that they came together, shook hands, said, what is your name? She says, I'm Eve. And then all of a sudden he said, oh, I know you now. And boom, she was pregnant. Is that what that means? The Bible says that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And it says that Joseph took Mary to be his espoused wife and did not know her until Jesus was born. What does that mean? It means he did not have that most intimate of relationships that a man and a wife have. That's what this word means, an intimate knowledge of, love of. He said, number one, I want to tell you something. You are beloved of God. And by the way, you say, well, I loved him. Yeah, but what does the Bible say about that? We love him because what? 
he first loved us. I want to tell you something. I was running away from God as fast as I could. And it was God that came to me. But number two, in time present, we are called by God. Called by God. Look at our scripture. Let me get back there. Look at our scripture. Verse 6, among whom you are, what's that next word? The called of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to stretch you just a little bit more here. You are the called of Jesus Christ. And then verse 7, he says, you are called to be saints. Called to be saints. Now, listen to me very carefully. This is not the general call that comes to every person in the world, be it through creation, through conscience, or the canon of God's Word. No, it is the effective call to God's elect, those that will believe. I'm going to call you to come to Jesus. I'm going to give you the gospel. I expect and want every one of you to know Jesus and come and be saved. That is called the general call of the gospel to every man. And you can be saved today if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. But my friend, hopefully, prayerfully, God will give an effective call to those whom He's chosen, to those who will believe. Listen, Romans 8, 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are what? Called according to His purpose. But then look at verse 29. For whom He foreknew, there's that word again, whom He foreloved, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, moreover, whom he predestined, now listen, he also called. He also called. This is not just some general call. This is the specific call that came to you that day that you got saved. It couldn't have come any earlier and it couldn't have come any later. And God set his love on you and he called you with an effective calling that was going to get its intended result. These he also called, and whom he called. Now listen, these he also justified. That's why we know it's an effective, specific call, because everybody that gets this call, guess what, is going to heaven. Because God not only has called them, he justified That means he declared them not guilty. He declared them righteous before God. He called, and whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Everyone that gets this call will be justified. Therefore, not everyone gets this call, for not all are justified, are they? Here's another place where we see that this is a specific call, not just some general call. This is a loving call for His children. 1 Corinthians 1.26, it says, For you see your calling, brethren. You see your calling, brethren. Now listen. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. This is a specific, effectual, loving call for His children. Thanks be to God that He called me by His grace. By His grace! You say, Brother Ron, that's not fair that not everybody gets that call. Okay, okay. Let's start giving what's fair. You want what's fair? Do you want, to, do you want what's right? 
We all go to hell if we get what's fair. My friend, don't cry. Don't cry. Well, brother, what if I don't get this call? What if I don't get it? I'm afraid I might get this call. Listen, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Don't worry about that. Call on the Lord. You say, well, I don't want to call on the Lord. Then why are you worried about it? Everybody gets what they want here. If you want Jesus, let me tell you something. You can have him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, Brother Ron, is it man's responsibility or is it God's sovereignty? And the answer is yes. Yes. Explain it. Well, you explain the Trinity to me first, then I'll explain that to you. How about that? It's just God's plan. It's the way it is. And if you're worried about election and predestination and foreknowledge, all those things, and just call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. How about that? And then turn around and thank God that before the foundation of the world, He elected you unto salvation. Hallelujah. Number three, in time present, we are justified by God. You say, Brother Arn, I do not see the word justified anywhere there in Romans chapter 1. Oh, it's there. You've got to look close. To all who are in verse 7, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Now, let me tell you, if you've ever been born again, saved, washed by the blood of Christ, when you called on the name of the Lord, you are a saint. There's no some specific, special group. A lot of people say, well, do you think Mother Teresa ought to be made a saint? And I don't know, and I'm, if I believed the Catholic doctrine, I'd be a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I saw the light. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. I'm just a, But I want to tell you something. If I were going to be a Catholic, if I believed Catholic doctrine, I'd be a Catholic. And I'd believe they teach wrong. And they try to say that saints are some higher, and they fuss about whether she, oh, did she do a miracle? Did she do this? Let me tell you something. Did, did Mother Teresa ever trust Jesus alone for her salvation? If she did, she's a saint. If she didn't, she ain't. I'm not going to heaven on my, my righteousness. I'd never make it. And this is what we're going to learn. I can't wait. I'm so excited. This is what we're going to learn. The whole point of Romans is that God infuses His righteousness to us. That's how I can call myself a saint. That's how I can be so bold as to say I am a saint. I am a holy one because he made me one. The day that I came to Jesus, March 3rd, 1976, at about 8 o'clock at night on this side of the altar or the, the pulpit at Windsor Park Baptist Church as an 8, 9-year-old boy, and I called on the name of the Lord. I was a little poor son of two alcoholic parents, but in heaven the holy God stood up and said, Ron Owen is righteous and not guilty. And I was justified. How about you? You've been declared not guilty? Have you been declared righteous? If you come to Jesus, he will declare you righteous. That's how we're justified. Christ declares us holy. D, at all times we receive the grace of God. Why were you elect? The grace of God. Why were you predestined? Whatever you think it means, the grace of God. Why were you called? The grace of God. Why were you saved? The grace of God. Unmerited favor. Why would God love me? Why? Why? Did I merit his favor? No, nothing. Matter of fact, I was the opposite. The Bible says we are at enmity with God before we're saved. Let me tell you why God loved me. He just chose to. I don't know why. 
There's a lot of things in this Bible I can explain to you and I can help you with, but there's one of them I cannot explain other than just unmerited God's grace. I don't know why. Just thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him that He did love me. Saving grace, the love placed on us was a gracious love. The election He chose us with was a gracious election. The sacrifice He made for us was gracious sacrifice. The call He called us with, general and specific both, were gracious calls. The glorification we will be glorified with in heaven is a gracious glorification. Hallelujah. And not only does He give us saving grace, He gives us serving grace. Because look at here, look at verse 5. Through Him we have received grace. And apostleship. Now there is the office of an apostle. There were only uh, 13 of them. There was the original 11 minus Judas who was a false apostle. Then there was Matthias who was chosen by the 12 to replace Judas. And then there was Paul, one born out of due season, the apostle to the Gentiles. But the word apostle means one sent with a message. I want to tell you something. That's all of us. That's all of us. We're all sent. You're either evangelistic or you're backslidden. God didn't say you might be my witnesses. He said you shall be my witnesses. And we have been called, yes, but we have also been commissioned by God to go and preach this glorious gospel. Why in the world would you want to keep it to yourself? Amen. You got the cure. How awful of you not to share it with those who have the disease. We have been called to serve, serving grace. Let me tell you something. There's the office of an elder. There's the office of the preacher. But we're all preachers, amen? We have great deacons in this church, men who are servants of the church and of, the, uh, uh, of God and assistants of the pastor. We have wonderful. But every one of us ought to be diakonoses, which means to serve one another. So there's the office, but in actuality, we're all deacons, we're all preachers, we're all apostles. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience of faith among all the nations. See, that's what He's saying. Go out. Now, why are we doing this? For His name. For His name. The sanctifying work of salvation always produces, always produces obedience to the faith. And He has called us to preach His gospel among all the nations, Jew and Gentile. We ought to be doing it. The Bible says if you give an, uh, for a prophet's mission, you get a prophet's reward. And God has been good to this church to make it a gospel-sending church. Let's not quit. And here's another thing, though. Let us not forget that mission starts in Magnolia, Arkansas for Antioch East. It starts with your neighbor. I'm glad you give money, but my friend, don't send the money overseas and let your neighbors go without hearing the gospel. Don't do it. Lastly, in time, present, and future, we have peace with God. Boy, we forfeit that a lot because we let the devil whisper in our ear. You have peace with God. He is not your enemy, and you are not His enemy. If you have truly placed your faith in Christ, you have peace. 
the nation of your heart and the nation of his holiness have come together. And not only have they made peace, they are one. But my friend, more than just having peace with God, we have been made heirs of Christ and heirs with Jesus Christ. This is what we'll explore in the book of Romans, the true depth of the amazing grace of God. Oh, I wish, I wish you understood. I, I hope you're seeing it. No longer are we rebels. No longer are we enemies. But we have been brought near by the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. We will be glorified in heaven with Jesus. One day we will see him and we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Now in conclusion, this is the gospel of God. The gospel of God. A lot of times we think, well, Jesus loved us and he kind of kept God from really being mad at us. My friend, it is God that loved us. This is God's plan. It was God's person. It was God's promise to save a people. And this is the gospel of God, the good news of Jesus Christ and of our redemption. This is it. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was, I didn't care my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. By God's word, one day a preacher preached it. A witness witnessed it. A friend told me, Mom and Daddy, by God's word, at last, my sin I learned. And then I trembled at the law that I had spurned until my guilty soul, imploring, turned to Calvary. I love this verse. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace, the unmerited favor that brought it down to me and to all men. Oh, the mighty gulf. And we were as far away from God as we could be that God did span at Calvary. Mercy, there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was not added, multiplied to me. And there my sinful, stinking soul found liberty at Calvary. And you too can find it today. If today you'd call on the Lord and say, God, my sins are many and too much and I cannot overcome them. And oh God, if you will not save me by grace, I cannot be saved. Today I believe that message of the gospel. I believe in Christ and I trust in Him only to save me. If you pray that from your heart, you will be saved. You will be saved.